Hello, and welcome to Bird Fans Forever Podcast. I am John Pemberton, former ISU Redbird from 1985 to 1990. I am joined by Steve Fate, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988, and John Diner, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. Hello, and welcome to Redbird Fans Forever. This is episode four, and uh, so I'd like to thank everybody. I have John and Steve, and we have our uh, proud alumni joining us today, Patrick Smith-Ray. So we'll be talking to him about Horton Fieldhouse. He's a huge fan. But before we hit that, we're going to hit, remind everybody, hey, you can find us out on YouTube, right? Go out there, look for uh, Bird Fans Forever, find our podcast episodes. Love if you could click the like button or the subscribe button. Also, you can find uh, the podcast out for Apple and Google. We have a whole list out on the website. You can click out there and get those if you want to listen to it. So we're going to kick this on over to John Diner. Okay, so I've known Pat probably for well over 30 years, um, and uh, just wanted to, he's probably one of the biggest Redbird fans I know, and so I just thought I'd, you know, why don't you stand up and show your outfit first here, so, so we can see, go, yes. go ahead. So this is uh, of my own creation, uh, I, uh, basically the idea behind this outfit is what would somebody from, uh, they was going to a game at McCormick in 1925. What would they look like? What would they wear? Little cartoonish, uh, based on modern, you know, like ISU patches from the 60s and from the 80s. But uh, you know, oh yeah, let me get the hat. Oh, it just fell down. Sorry. Oh. But look, so whoop, 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 backwards. Okay. So like 19. 25, and actually, usually I tie a, actually, the pennant on the wall up there, I usually tie to this and, okay. you know, yep. kind of looks a little foppish from the uh, 1920s uh, era. Um, and like I said, so, uh, and Illinois State has, one of the things as a student I was always fascinated by was the continuum of the architecture of the basketball program from Cook Hall, which originally the, that stone face above the doorway used to just simply say gymnasium. In the 1920s, they replaced that uh, to say Cook Hall when uh, McCormick was opened, and that was opened for physical education, but also it was the first venue on the campus to be opened so that spectators could watch basketball. So why don't you tell, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, how you became a Redbird fan before we start getting into yeah, the okay. architecture and so. <clears throat> uh, so I, I I grew up in Peoria. Uh, I played basketball uh, through junior high and then played intramurals in high school. Played uh, ended up at Illinois State and played some intramurals there. But um, so my father uh had went to graduate school at uh bradley and was uh a uh, into, i know i know wait just wait for the story to play out wait for the story to play out so that's where i got introduced to missouri valley basketball okay so i used to go to the old robinson memorial field house and uh watch basketball but then my sister john's lovely wife um what went to Illinois State and 
she got on the Corfes, the pom pom squad. She did that at high school, the high school I went to, and anyway, got on that. And my parents were super excited about this. Division one school. She's on national TV now, playing, uh, doing pom poms, uh, and so we got season tickets for both football and basketball. At this, I was like in seventh, eighth grade, and literally went to every home football and basketball game. So they didn't, they didn't buy season tickets to watch John Pemberton play. They uh, on, well later, I think they might they might admit to that, but initially, initially, they said, now I would say well, that's why I was there was okay. to watch John, but uh, yeah, yeah, but but. Uh, the impetus was my so we we got to know John because my sister was on the pom pom squad. So anyway, so we uh, like I would go to class. I like I was in uh, school and like after school I get picked up. We we drive to normal and we would go to a, uh, uh, a basketball game and you know they're they're on TV. Like it was just super cool. So I immediately I was just like became infatuated I and I became a Redbird fan at that point um, as a pretty young kid and somebody coming from Peoria and especially at that time like Bradley basketball was pretty strong like um, I know I know I know I'm just saying the reality the reality it does Redbird basketball have to be to pull a kid out of all my friends that's who they were you know like to pull me out of that and I was yeah. like no 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 this is my team that's I'm I, the Braves are now my team. I'm a Redbird. Like, so let's talk. So let's that, talk architecture. That, that's when you fell yeah. in love with Horton Fieldhouse, right? Exactly. So Horton Fieldhouse. Oh my God. So architecturally. So um, I guess how I would put this is think about this in terms of baseball stadiums. Like we all love the jewel box stadiums. So and really, I mean. Wrigley and Fenway are the last of the jewel boxes. I mean, Tiger Stadium was a long holdout. Uh, Comiskey Field was a long holdout. Um, but Horton Fieldhouse is what I would turn, and you know, if you go to an architecture school, they may not use the same terminology, but I would consider what's called an old barn. And there are many. Absolutely. Yeah, there's many, I mean, just the style of the building. I mean, like even from uh, 1920 at Hinkley in Indianapolis at Butler, like that's an old barn. Um, they're, they're, uh, Virginia Tech actually has, I think they're one of, the, they're actually newer than uh, Horton. Uh, I think that was like 65, something like that. Um, old barn. Um, and so what I mean by that is rather than having a building built in a circle with uh, a lower bowl and an upper bowl and then outer concourses, okay, these buildings were built like airplane hangers or like a barn. So, and surprisingly enough is I remember when I was a kid, I used to go into Robertson Memorial on Bradley's campus. Um, and the the actual stands go up on the curved side not necessarily the long side so it was just the most efficient way to put people in this building and horton this is the thing horton is absolutely it, it 
I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I am willing to bet that Horton Fieldhouse is probably one of the most used buildings on the entire campus. Um, and not just athletic, certainly with athletics. So, um, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is with the new indoor practice facility that's going to be built, which is great. And I think that with that building being built, that Horton has even more potential to do more and better things. All right. I, they put on a new roof in 2019. Um, they redid the surface. Now, the, the track in there is 200 meters, which by NCAA standards is, is it, they usually use a 300 meter track now, um, but the gymnastics team uses it. Um, and it, the basic, all of the solid infrastructure is still there. There is the lower, what would have been called the lower bowl of Horton was removable wooden retractable yeah. uh bleachers yeah. right yeah. particularly on the north side that were oh my god can you imagine i mean like i like that it went to the roof on the on on the north end of of the field house um what what i would like to see just because of it it is a legacy sports complex and actually if you I, I actually did in preparation for this uh, talk. I I actually just googled Fieldhouse, right? And a Wikipedia page comes up, and it describes what a Fieldhouse is and how it's historically an American piece of architecture. But then it has a section of historical Fieldhouses, and it does it by state. Sure enough, Horton Fieldhouse is on that list. I mean, awesome. it's yeah, it is a and. Somebody, I, I feel like as a, an alum of Illinois State, I'm one of the last uh, generations to have seen, and I, I didn't get to see that as a student. I was fortunate enough as a kid to have gone there and actually seen and heard how loud it was and how, I mean, I, I just remember being gobsmacked like just like this is and oh my can we talk about like again architecturally those glass curtains yeah. that the yeah. north and south walls that are three-fourths glass and then it's not until you get to the lower third that it's masonry structure but brings in all of that natural light that's a special building i mean it in per absolutely 100% with basketball no like you can't like it is a special place um, it, it, you know if you think about the game though I, I, I was actually at the last game with uh, so was I. yeah <laughs> exactly yes 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 so <laughs> I wasn't as sweaty as you but I, I, I did I, I did see the last game there but um, but like if you think back to like the UNLV game um, like there's there's just oh actually 1972, the very first women's college national championship tournament was held in Horton Fieldhouse. This is before yep. the NCAA recognized yep. women's basketball, full court women's basketball. Jill as, Hutchinson. Yeah, yep. Jill Hutchinson, exactly. And actually, it's so funny. I was prepping for this conversation this week. And I got my alumni, I, I was going to bring, I don't have it with me. I, they have an article 
just yesterday I got the alumni magazine. I don't know if you guys have, have gotten it yet, um, but they have an article on that. I was like, oh my God, I've been like thinking about this for the last two weeks. Like, and sure enough, it shows up. But okay, think about other in like other first in college athletics, like Will Robinson, the very first African American Division One coach. That's where he coached. All right, and of course, who did he coach? Doug Collins. I mean, like, and we'll be talking to Randy Henry right after this. So he's our he's our special guest this week, and and Randy got to play a year under Robinson, and yeah. he had Coach Robinson recruit him out of a junior college out of Iowa, and so yeah. I mean, think about awesome. the history in that building and Absolutely. the architect. I mean, it's it clearly is what anybody would call an old barn. It's it's it just had and it's you when you walk into that building one of my favorite things actually is going to a redbirds football game at halftime they always have horton open like and with uh, my kids are getting a little bit my youngest is now in fourth grade but like i used to take my kids there and they would have a bouncy castle in there yeah. and like yeah. it's heated it's climate control how many division one football stadiums have in the stadium have a climate controlled environment where you can put there it's you know your imagination is the only limitation is what could be done with that building yeah right pat this has been awesome hey, John. thank you guys John. thank you where before we before we cut off and and, and go to um randy right we, we gotta make an announcement right um the women's tennis team right won the Missouri yep. Valley Conference, right? And the week before that, the women's golf team won the Missouri Valley Conference. And for keeping track of it, the women's basketball team won the Missouri yep. Valley Conference, yep. as yep. well as the volleyball team. So the the women now, I think there's eight are eight, killing it, killing it. Yeah. Eight, eight sports where they've finished the tournaments. They've won four. Softball and track are still to come. So uh, still competing, still competing, yep. but four out of the eight teams. Have won the conference. Oh, we're going to wrap up this segment uh, this week in show and tell. I have my freshman wow. jersey. I actually have wow. a second freshman jersey, and I was telling that is my show and tell. Um, and Mr. Engineer, we are going to cut to break. So hit it. Hello and welcome back to Bird Fans Forever podcast, our new name. We have the legendary Randy Henry here who played from 1973 to 1976. Hey, Randy, how you doing, big man? Yeah, I'm fantastic. How's everybody today? Doing good. Great. Doing good. All right, so we're just going to jump into this because this is the Randy Henry show here. All right, you know, I love to tease you about, I went looked you up in the program because, you know, every time I talk to you, you tell us great stories. And I thought for sure you played more than two years, but you were only two years as number 42. What other number did you have? I wore number 40 when I first got there, but that was only for about a couple of weeks. And then uh, I told him I wanted 42, but that's the number I wore in college. Uh, I wore 22 in high school. But uh, Connie Hawkins was my guy, and then uh, Jackie Robinson, I wanted to wear 42. So that was the reason I got on 42. And so what happened, they changed it. But I did play three years. My first year, I played JV and varsity. So I did... Uh, 15 games JV, 10 games varsity. 
18 my second year, and then my senior year, uh, I started all 27 games. Um, we were 20 and 7. We were the worst team Smithson ever had. Uh, <laughs> we were 20 and 7. We go 22 the next year, and I think we won 23 or 24, and I uh, went to NIT two years. But we should have went in um, 75, 76, because uh, it was the last year the NIT was all in New York, and we beat the Long Island Blackbirds in Long Island. And in that game, uh, Jeff Wilkins, seven-footer on the team, uh, he said, Brand, let's switch. So I was always the guy at the free throw line throwing it down to him. So the guy I had couldn't handle me. So Jeff goes to the high post. He's jumping to me. He gets eight assists. I get eight layups, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he called it. He said, switch. And so he ran to the high post, and everybody's like, Why, what is he out there? As soon as he – Got there, I would curl in, and he'd drop it, and the guy was guarding me was 6'5", and I'm 6'7", so I, you know, layup after layup, I thought they would do something about it, but, uh, we, you know, we beat them, and that was a very interesting um, game there in Long Island. But let me take you guys back to the start of the season. Here, here's where we go. So we knew about Billy Lewis, great player, uh, Hall yeah. of Famer. We knew about Roger Powell, the mad bomber. Uh, this is Gene's first year. We knew Mike Bonds, who was one of the top five guards in the country. And uh, one of the other guys was Skip Brown from Wake Forest. I'll tell you about that story later. And then we had, uh, at the other four, was, well, at the center, rather, was Jeff Wilkins. So we had those four pieces. And so Coach was saying, who's that fifth guy? Who's the guy that's going to be in there that's going to help us out? So I start, we go 6-0. and he calls me in his office. He says, I need to talk to you. I said, Coach, what's wrong? I'm averaging 14 and 7. You know, I'm doing my thing. He says, you got to start passing the ball more. And I said, we <laughs> I didn't that, but I'm saying to myself, you know, we're 6-0, and, and we haven't lost a game. And so we had just come off the Bradley Invitational. We had beat Bradley because we were trying to get U of I and Northwestern to play Illinois State, Western, you know, Bradley. But they wouldn't play us. You know, we'd always try to get a game with them, but they wouldn't play us. So we had this little tournament, and we almost messed it up. We played Eastern and almost lost, and they played West and almost lost. They had big up <laughs> in Jimmy Carruthers, and they had a guy named Roger Fagley who played with the Washington uh, Bullets a couple years in the NBA. Uh, I think he had about four years in. So we go up there, and Billy Lewis goes off. He ended up being MVP. And I sent you that picture. I don't know if you have the team picture of that, uh, that group. But we went up there, and we clowned them. So we're six and zero, and I'm figuring like things are going pretty good, you know. Like they figured out they start, you know. So he says you have to pass more to Jeff. He said because he's unhappy, you know. You're taking shots or what have you. He said, but if you throw it in there, he throws it back. You can shoot it. And so I, you know, I have a score, but I took less shots than all the guys, all the starters except for Mike and Bonzi wasn't even trying to shoot the ball, but other. Four, you know, our league score was Billy and Jeff and Roger Pyle, and I was number four. But um, so after that conversation, we lose three in a row. We go out to uh, Drake, we lose to Drake, and what happened there, we got our new uniforms. And so, you know, new uniforms, I wish we'd have gotten when we got back home. They bring the uniforms on, we're all looking at them, really nice, the MTA, mental toughness, extra effort. So we get bombed by Drake. <laughs> then we go play Idaho State, and they got this clock from 1960. They're totally in the last minute. Lose on a uh, the, the guy just must have stopped operating it. 
because those 10 seconds seemed like it was like 40, and we lose our buzzer beater by one. Then we play Washington State, the great coach George Ravelin, and they had a kid from out of Chicago, Steve Padakis, 6'11". I'm guarding this guy, and I'm, I'm tying his legs up. I'm all on him. It was a bang-bang play. We're down by two. He drives. He plows me. So I'm falling all out like he killed me. They called a block. Fall out. <sighs> he goes in the line and makes the two. They go up four. We miss. They come and score. We make, and then we end up losing the game by four. So now we lost three in a row. And I'm saying to myself, Coach, you know, why am I passing so much? But anyway, we were uh, 13 and one on the road. In the two prior years, Illinois State was 16 and 10, where we were 13 and 1. We only lost three games in my three years at Illinois State, three games at home. But on the road, we were disastrous. We were like uh, nine and we, we lose nine and win three. But that year with us, my senior year, we were seven and six on the road. Uh, we were 13 and 1, and we lose to sitting there with Robert Parrish. Yeah. He comes in the- That's the story we wanted to hear. Yep. Yeah. So, He's in there, and Jeff is battling, but he's squatting everybody. You know? and we we trying to finger roll on him, and he's squatting them left and right. But we still, we, we, we battle him. We battle him. So at the very end of it, they go to him for two straight, and he ups another. Jeff puts it in, scores, and uh, we can't come up with anything in the last, like, 40 seconds to get a bucket. And then we lose. And we lose to them by four. And so I'm saying, like, Robert Paris, and they had a kid from – Bloomington High School was coming up. I can't remember his name. Six eight guy, and uh, I was guarding him. And uh, I tell you a story. Jerry uh, Sloan was there the summer before at the basketball camp. And so he says, uh, "I told him I said I want to compete. You know, chance for me to start. I hadn't started any games at I. He says, "Well, you kind of like six seven. I'm 182." He says, "But if you tie people's legs up, you'll be able to keep them off the board." So. He's showing me how to tie the legs up. He says, I'm going to teach you something else. When everybody's looking up at the basket, every now and then run your hand up somebody's mouth, they'll bite their tongue. <laughs> 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 they elbow, hit somebody in the groin. You know, he said, he said, now, the only bad part about that, they may come back at you. So they wait, wait. But, you know, a lot of times when people go up for a shot, I would take my hand and then just go right across their face and they bite their tongue. So now they're, they're looking to see what was I going to do next? And so, you know, depending on who the, how big the guy was, and I hit him, I was moving somewhere else. I, I, I could run into next week, so I was really fast, but I was not a strong guy. But he said, a guy cannot jump without his legs. And so, you know, Sloan had taught me that. So I'm, I'm battling this guy from Bloomington. He's 6'8", about 230, and I'm giving him work, man. He, you know, I'm elbowing. He studied pushing. He's getting mad. But Robert Parrish gave us the most work. I mean, uh, I mean he, he, he just had long arms. We're trying to drive one thing. We can float it up a little bit higher and every now and then. But then he had the ugly shot, like kind of a jerky thing, but it kept falling. So um, it, was, it was a great, it was a great game, and it was Christmas time too. You know that we played yeah. him. So that that was probably um, you know a game that we wish we could have gotten. In that, uh, yeah. we look at the schedule. We were twenty and seven. I look at the Idaho game. Uh, we should have won. He could have won at Washington State. I mean, George Ravlin is there. He's working with the, the, the referees, and, and we're at his place. We're in Pullman, Washington. And this was New Year's. And so we lose that game. So I'm like, our heads are down. But then we come home and we get a, a major run. Um, and, uh, one of the 
I think my best game of the year we played at the Oral Roberts. I go, That's the next game I wanted to hear, yes. I go in there, and um, Dwayne Fox, who was a former uh, Redbird, left and went to Oral Roberts. He had graduated. He invites me over for dinner. He's from Inkster, Michigan, so we go over there. I have dinner with his uh, wife, Dolly. We're having a good time. We're chilling. So when I go into this game, I'm feeling it. We're in the layup line, so I don't know if you ever played the Oral Roberts. But before the game starts, I don't know if they still do it, the people in the first seven, eight rows come out on the floor. So we're in the layup line, and this scares the shit. <laughs> it is creepy. It's creepy because they all come on the floor to pray. Creepy. They come on the floor to pray. And so we're in the game, and, you know, I'm <laughs> doing my thing. We were working, but nobody else came to play that day. For some reason, you know, I get 20-some points, 18 rebounds. I'm, I'm feeling it, but we lose. I mean, we, 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 we get black. And so they started to uh, boo us one time. Oral Roberts raised up out of the seat like this just a little bit. Everybody got started, I mean, silent, and they started cheering for us, you know. So uh, that that was scary. But, but wait, but Oral Roberts, uh, to tell you how the yin and yang of that, they come to our place. I play the first three minutes. I get two points. We win by 15. I don't, I've never gone back in the game. This guy, Richard Jones, who was my backup, had a tremendous game. He comes in. I'm like, I'm getting ready to sit down now. I ain't going to play no more. But... Uh, <laughs> So let's let me let me hit you. And didn't do much, you know, that game. And uh, he was on the road, and, and I'm I'm cheering for him. He's, and, he, and he's and he you know Smith and always come back. Partner, don't worry about it. You'll be back in there next game. So uh, that's where I was at. Hey, Randy, give me a second here. So um, at Oral Roberts, fourteen of fourteen from the free throw line, right? As a big in the '80s when I played, bigs that shot seventy percent of was unheard of. Right. I mean, let alone you shooting 14 of 14 in that game. And you're in the record book for that one. You also pulled the double double on that one, that 28 and 10. And um, I think you played Louisiana Tech right before it. It looks like in the schedule you went 23 points and 17 rebounds with Jeff Wilkins by your side. You must have just been a complete beast in that game. Well, you know, here's the thing. When we played Louisiana, um, they were, you know, real physical group but what they weren't was fast they were big guys and so that was my thing i was a finesse guy roll off pressure you know guy try to press me one way i roll off finger roll put it in george gervin was one of my heroes now you know about the ice man yeah oh god he was six nine maybe a buck 85 maybe but he always talked about we played this gym called saint cecilia and say with magic johnson danny roundfield Ralph said, you name any great players from 69. It opened in 68, 69 to about 76. All the great players came in. And so Gervin would always say, man, just roll with the pressure, roll away from the pressure. So they force you on this shoulder, roll the other way. And he was always rolling. So that was my thing that, like John Havlicek, I don't know if y'all know Havlicek, from the Boston Celtics, yeah. continuously running. So if you was going to guard me, you, you better be in shape because I was going to never stop running. And that's what Smithson liked about me most is that I kept it moving. I wanted to stand, yeah. I hit that wing, go make my cuts, run around, come out on the other side, come on back out. And so against Louisiana, they were they were big, but they were slow. And so now I'm running past these guys. Like, they get rebound, Jeff rebounds, man, I'm gone. And Mike Bonds, can find you. He's threading the needle, and I'm catching, laying it up. And so while they were plotting down, 
I was getting it, you know. Now they, you know, trying to post me up because I was small, but again, I'm putting my knee between their legs and time because I'm, I'm very strong on my brain. They can't jump without their legs, you know. Just tie them up, push them, you know, give a little pressure, step away, you know. Rick Mahorn was great at that, but you know, you apply a lot of pressure, pushing, and then when he gets ready to jab you back, just step back. The guy stumbles down, or you get a steal, keep it going like that. But uh, the the fourteen free throws, you know. Um, you know, we Damn. got 78%, you know, for the year. And um, it wasn't a question. And I'll tell you about the Florida State game, which was uh, critical. We won it at home by two. And uh, I make four out of five down the stretch to win the game for us. And um, they had a, a great team. We go down to Florida State. We froze them out. They came to ISU. You open up the back door, you know, putting the bleachers in. It had to be like about maybe 10 degrees. They freeze, freeze. <laughs> we go Florida. They got his 102, man. I'm, I'm rigging wet in the layup line. We get blasted. We get blasted down there. Um, you, you guys were an independent back then, so then you weren't part of the Missouri Valley. So you got, I think you actually played Florida State three times that year. Right. Right? Right. And so well, here's the thing. We were trying to get in Missouri Valley, and, you know, Smithson was trying to get us in that group. And so, you know, you know, Bradley was trying to get in also at that time. But yeah. being an independent, unless you have a great superstar, we didn't really have, I mean, Billy Lewis was probably, and Rogers, he was a, a high school All-American. Billy was a high school All-American. Jeff was a junior college All-American. But I thought we had enough pieces that the NIT would take us. And Long, we were 27. Long Island was uh, 19 and eight, 19 and 9. So their record was worse than ours, and we beat them at their place. So we were quite disgusted, you know, that we didn't get a chance to go. But yeah. that was the goal to get the Missouri Valley. And you guys came in and, and just throw it and done some great things and, you know, won the championship, went to the tournament, big dance. So um, I was excited. I mean, the year that uh, ISU went 25 and something and yeah. lost the Wichita State in the championship game, I was yeah. real faulty that they didn't take us that year, that they still took two teams out of that. Great. So, Randy, you mentioned all those great players. I mean, the one thing that sticks out is, like, you guys just put up so many points in a game. I mean, you went over 100 points against the D1. This wasn't, like, 100 points against D3 schools. No. This is 101, well, 100 points on D1 schools. Well, here's here's a great story. We go to Vegas. They got Easy Eddie Owens. They got Ricky Sorbos, who played with the Phoenix Suns. They got a guy named Jackie Robinson. So we go down there. We score 100 and 25, 125, and lost by 10. We scored 125. Will Robinson said, champ, when I score 125, I figure we're going to win. But we lost that game. And I'm talking about no defense was played. It was a, a, a run, running, running rebels. We running, they running. Bubba Hawkins is doing his thing. We up and down the floor, and we, we just – we, we never can catch up with them. I mean, they were that fast. So the cool part was when the game was over, guy Jackie Robinson, who's a millionaire now because he's into fast food, a lot of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken stores. He played in NBA a couple of years, maybe a cup of coffee or something. But um, he invites me to Caesar's Palace where he parked cars. So he walks up, Jackie, how would y'all do tonight? Uh, we won, you know. Oh, great, great. See, this guy's from Detroit. The four tops is in there singing. So he says, you guys want to come in? They take us in there, put us in this booth, the real arch back, what have you. 
And we go there, we, we're eating free, we're drinking free, and I'm just like, man, this is great. We got our butt kicked. <laughs> and then, you know, we four times for free. You know, bingo, he stayed me back to the hotel, and we were friends ever since then. But, uh, you know, Vegas, you score 125 points. You figure you got a shot at winning. And, and we and you scored a, the score. You scored 125 points and no three-point line. And no three-point line. And lost back. The three-point line won't right. come in for another 10 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Roger Powell, I love Roger. They, they call him Roger Dodger, you know, the man. Mm -hmm. Easily, easily he'd have another four or 500 points because he always, he always shot three-point. The guy had big mm -hmm. wrists, long hands, real top-heavy, strong head. He could palm it and go to the basket laid up. But on the fast break, he'd run to the corner. He'd run to the three-point line. And, and hit, you know, and I'm, I'm saying so. If three was in, a lot of those games that we lost by two or three, you know, we, we would have won. I mean, to be exact with you, the seven losses, all of them were eight or less. All them, yeah. A couple of them were four point losses. So I'm saying two more wins in that first year, you know, we didn't have the national recognition. I mean, we had Doug, but it tanked because of the next two years, even in Doug's senior year, they were 13 and 14. NIT was going to take them. That they won their last game that year, and they ended up being thirteen and fourteen. Didn't go. So on Doug alone, if they'd have been fourteen, thirteen. They'd been, have to be, you know, five hundred. Right. 500. Right. So with sixteen and ten, those next two years, and can't get a can't get a win on the road. And then we get twenty and seven. I'm figuring like, man, we we going, we going. But uh, we, we didn't that's the other. As being an independent, you guys had to play more home games than like teams now. So typically, the non-conference schedule they play. A lot of home games, maybe two, two or three on the road, even ISU, right? Right. And then they they split the conference. So so, back then as an independent, you played more road games, plus to make the tournament because you're not in a conference, much more difficult. Yeah, I mean you have much more. You have to have a strong record, and then you know a lot of people didn't want to come to us because, in the year, we only lost three games at home, and then uh, I think had we beat Centenary, that would have been a great win for us. They they had a you know decent year. The Wake Forest story I have for you, uh, we go to Wake Forest, and they're fifth in the country. And so we go in there, and they introduce the starting lineups. And this was this was great. So they said, you know, Randy Henry. So they got everybody pulls out a newspaper, puts it up in front of their face. They call my name. <laughs> you know, so we go on, and we beat them by four at their place. And so when the game was over, you know, we had run around, and, and Mike Bonsey held his own to get skipped. When I was driving at the very end, you know, clock was running out, and it, the horn goes off, and I go and I slam dunk it. This is all on my ASS about that because they could have called a technical foul. Although we were up by four, they wouldn't have probably put no time back on the game. Was because you couldn't dunk the ball. You we couldn't dunk the ball. That's we right. Allowed, we weren't allowed to dunk. So I was so freaking happy. I don't think I went to bed. They're fifth in the country. We beat them. I slam dunk it. He's he's on my ass, you know, going to the locker room. And then we get in the locker room, everybody's hunting the door. I said, Coach, did the horn that went off this game over? No, Mr. P can't be you know, and I you know, give me a lot of crap about that. But uh we were so happy about that win. That was great for us. And um I I laughed because when the game was over, you could hear all those papers dropping to the floor. They're talking about who's he? You know, everybody, who's he? And it, it was it was so sweet. I was laughing because that was kind of cool, you know, that so they said, yeah. Randy Henry, and everybody throw these papers up. Who's he? And they were all in unison. They're going up and down. 
So that was a, a, a great, a great game for us and a great victory for ISU. And they were, like I said, they were yes. fifth in the country at the time. Yeah, that was an awesome win. So we're going to wrap this yeah. with Steve and his question. Um, Ready, Steve? Yeah. Well, first of all, before uh, a lot of great basketball stories, but but we, we got to recognize you were you were inducted to the ISU Broadcast Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Put the big ring up. Put, show us the ring, everybody. Okay. There it is. Okay. There it is. Yep. So, so they told you that, uh, they, they're Bears fans, right? But I'm a Packers fan. Okay. And, and, and so my my dad grew up in Michigan. My uncle grew up in Michigan. But the the, the families are divided. So he he ended up moving to Green Bay, and, and his daughters ended up being Packer fans. So he he failed miserably there. But you know what the most important day, right? In in, in Detroit. Thanksgiving. Babe. Thanksgiving. So <laughs> so. We everything revolves around that Lions game, right? And but there's one other event, right? The parade, on Thanksgiving, baby, the parade. The parade. <laughs> so tell t- tell us about because he knew. Where I was talking about like because I saw some background. He he knows well. He doesn't know you, but he watched you. Okay, so he thought it was super cool that you're you're going to be on here. So tell us about hosting the Thanksgiving Day Parade. The Thanksgiving Day Parade. I served as a producer with a great guy. His name is Chuck Gatica. He's our weather guy. Everybody loves Chuck, and, you know, building up to the parade, they always talked about the weather. So Chuck and I would go to, like, to a clown breakfast uh, where people would pay $1,000 to be in the parade. And then we did uh, what we call the TV zone. We interviewed about people setting up for the parade. So for 27 years, I was on Woodward Avenue with him, with this guy. They did a great article on me on the parade. But what happened was my job was to get him on and off floats. So one year Chuck said, well, come on up here with me. So now I'm on these floats. I'm waving like I'm a celebrity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here, I got headset on and it's back to the truck. And they're saying, Randy, what are you doing up here? I said, I'm making sure nothing happens to Chuck. So I'm a gag that uh, I met, you know, uh, Big Sean, uh, I met Ruben Stutter, uh, met Vanilla uh, Ice, Vanilla Ice, Ice Vanilla, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanilla Ice, whatever. But I met so many celebrities. Uh, Little Richard, he, he was the general, uh, he was the uh, Grand Marshal one year. Magic Johnson was the Grand Marshal. So all these people I would meet because I had to get on and off these floats for 27 years. And so they did a real nice article in the Free Press here about last year, since I retired, I wouldn't be on what, what would I be doing. So I said, I'm going to be sitting with my grandbaby watching it on TV. <laughs> the parade is, 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 is a big deal, and um, the Hall of Fame situation was, when I got the letter, I took it to my wife, and I said, I said, I said honey, read this for me, said, because yes, I'm in the Hall of Fame, and I called Laura, who's in charge of the uh, communications department, she says, yeah, we put you in the Hall of Fame, 39 years, you know, in television, uh, I started as a trainee for minorities. And the rest is history, as they say. I, I got that job out of 500 people. And my TV 10 background helped me with that. And I'm going to tell you how old I am. When we started TV 10, we were doing film. Dude, it, it. <laughs> now you take a little bit of chip right here and throw it in the machine. And you can get about four hours on that. Uh, One-man bands. All the development. We went from two-inch to one-inch to beta to these little, like, uh, zip things, whatever we stick in there. But uh, television has been really good to me. Uh, I worked at WDIV uh, TV, Post Nose Week, Channel 4, 
And uh, the game, I never, you know, I never went to a Thanksgiving Day game football. I'd always I, really. I, I mean, we had to be there at three in the morning. Oh wow! Chuck and I was cool, so he'd come with the limousine. They'd pick him up at his house. He'd come by the station. I'd be there and have to do a, a five to six show. He'd come pick me up. And we'd be together until twelve noon. So I was up from three o'clock to twelve noon. So I wasn't ready for no football game. So I'd go home and watch it, and then that was my day. But uh, maybe next year I'll go down to the game. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so this is a wrap for episode four. Randy, thank you so much. Uh, I was talking to Gerard, and we want to thank you, right, for all the things those players did before and allowed us to stand on your shoulders to get into the Valley and, and get a shot at even having a shot to win the Valley Championship is because of what things like you did for the Illinois State Redbirds. And so with that, we are a wrap. Uh, Mr. Engineer, you want to take us out?